Good morning, church family. Well, are you guys ready to receive God's word? That was pretty weak, so I'm not real sure, man. Maybe I need to go down and preach at the bar for a minute. I think I might get a better reaction. Are y'all ready to receive God's word? Okay, let, let me, let, look, 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 look. Pay attention, pay attention. I know you're wrapping up, but look. Did you know that one word from God can change your whole life? It can change your circumstance. It can change your perspective. It can change everything. And here's why. Because God's word carries God's authority. And here's what God said. God said about his word. They say what the preacher said. This is what God said. He said his word will not return to him void, but that it will accomplish everything that he sent it forth to do. Watch this. This is all that you and I have to do. We have to allow ourselves to be that fertile soil to receive the, the seed of the word of God. Amen? And so let me ask you again, just to make sure that I've got the right church here, because I think I'm at Destiny Church of Jacksonville, but I'm not sure. Are you ready to receive God's word this morning? Okay. That's better. Because guys, listen, I say that not just to pepper alley you. I tell you this because I know how much the Word of God can change everything. And I know that some of y'all got some areas in your life that you need changing in. Even if it ain't in your life personally, you know someone. And so maybe you need to get some seed that you can build up so you can go sow into them. Amen. All right, well, we are on a series called Unhindered, which I have been enjoying so much the preparation of this. We've been going chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the book of Colossians. And today's going to be the third installment of this series. And I just want to say, if you did not hear the other two messages leading up to today's message... I want to highly encourage you to go back and to listen to them because this series unlocks the secret to living a life that is unhindered. By the way, let me just give you a little bit of an explanation on this series in case you're wondering, you know, why unhindered. Unhindered is this. It means living a life that is free from obstacles distractions, and the entanglements which so easily weigh us down and prevent us from fully embracing the abundant life that Christ offers for us. And here's why I believe that this series is so important to us right now. We live in a world that is constantly vying for our attention. I mean, I thought it was bad when I was in my 20s, but now that I'm in my 40s, I've noticed the noise, the distractions, and the competing messages that surround us multiply on all fronts. The world we live in today, I think that it's kind of taken the art of distraction to a whole nother level. It's like a symphony of chaos that's playing in the backgrounds of our lives, pulling us in all kinds of different directions, and it's making it increasingly difficult to focus on what truly matters. Well, the Unhindered series is our response to that dissonant noise. Amen? 
It's an intentional journey for us to peel away the layers of confusion and dig into the unchanging truth of God's word. It's a declaration that we refuse to let the noise of this world hinder our uh, connection with God and our understanding of his will for us and the pursuit of his purpose. Really what it is, it's a proclamation that despite the challenges that we face, that we are determined, that we are going to live lives that are aligned with God's truth, free from the entanglements that seek to hold us back. And watch this, the book of Colossians, it addresses this very thing. It causes us to focus on our faith, to consider what it means to be rooted in Christ, and to live out our faith without hindrance. And I can't emphasize enough how important it is that we remain vigilant about depositing God's word into our lives. Because the barrage of, of information and influences that bombard us daily can easily distract our perspective and divert us from the path that God has set for us. And so that's why uh, this unhindered series, it's not just a catchy title, but it's a call to refocus, realign, and to reestablish our connection with God. Really what it is, it's a mandate to make the main thing the main thing. And by the way, the main thing is Jesus. Amen? He's the compass that guides us through all of the noise and the chaos of this world. And he has given us two great resources as our guide, his spirit and his word. So what do you say? Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to just come, to invade our hearts, and then just let his word do its work. Amen? Amen. Join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you are already here, gathered amongst us, Lord, doing your work already, going before us, Lord. And we thank you for that. Your word says, let he who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So, God, may we have ears today, Lord, to hear what you desire to do, Lord, with us as a church body, but also, Father, as us as individual followers of you. And, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you sent it to heal our diseases. Thank you, Lord, that your word, just one word, changes everything. So God, may our hearts be found as fertile soil by which the seed of your word would land. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. And we are going to pick back up where we left off last week. Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to read, how about verses 9 through 12? Let's do that. Hey, would you stand with me, if you would, in honor of reading God's word? This is also my way of making sure your eyes don't get too heavy sitting in those comfy chairs there. So stand with me. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12 says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, 
for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Okay, you can be seated. Now, as I've said to you guys in my previous messages, Paul was speaking to a very diverse culture. And so he knew the challenges that they faced each and every day. He knew that them being followers of Christ meant that they were going to rub many people the wrong way. And that it would spark debates and disagreements. I mean, the Colossians, they weren't living in a bubble. They were part of a world that embraced a wide array of beliefs, ideologies, and practices. And I think this is why, in part, I'm compelled to teach you this book. Because we, too, are faced with navigating a cultural landscape that often contradicts the principles and the teachings of our faith. The clash between secular worldviews and the tenets of Christianity is evident in almost every sphere of life, from social issues to ethics, from entertainment to education. But here's where Paul's message shines a light on our path. Because Paul doesn't leave the Colossian church, nor does he leave us to navigate these challenges on our own. He said, from the day that we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And then he lets them know what that prayer request has been. That they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, I want you to notice that Paul doesn't just pray that they would know God's will. He goes beyond that. He knew that knowledge alone would not get them where they needed to go. They were going to need more than that. Yes, they did need to know what God's will was for their lives, but it had to be joined together with spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Take, for example, Jonah. Jonah knew what the will of God was. So it wasn't like Jonah's like, God, what's your will for my life? He knew exactly what it was. He knew that he was supposed to go to the Ninevites and proclaim the good news to them. But yet, what he was lacking was that spiritual wisdom and understanding. See, Paul's prayer here for the Colossian church reminds us that true wisdom doesn't come from the latest self-help book or the trendiest guru. It comes from a deep, intimate relationship with God, the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4, it highlights this very thought. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. See, we think we know us better than anyone, but I assure you, there is one who knows you better than you. Says, oh Lord, you have, you, oh God, creator of the, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out 
in my lying down. In other words, he's saying, hey, I know the motives of your heart and why you do what you do. You don't always know why you do what you do, but I know why you do what you do. And he says, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You see, what we're talking about here, church, this wisdom that Paul's talking about, it isn't about being the smartest person in the room or having all the right answers. No, it's about setting Christ as the very center of our lives, which then yields the discernment to recognize what aligns with God's heart and what doesn't. It's about us being able to sift through the clutter of the world through the lens of eternity. And that kind of wisdom is a game changer. Because it doesn't just tell us what to do, it empowers us to do it. You say, do what? To make choices that honor God. Friends, can I just tell you something? Listen to me. I've never regretted making a choice that, I've never regretted making a choice that honors God. Never. Not once. However, <laughs> I have regretted every choice that I've made that did not honor God. Now, maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, Pastor, um, I've done a lot of things that didn't honor God, and I've not regretted it. As a matter of fact, I, I did, and nothing even happened as a result of my choice. <laughs> Hold tight, because your investment is accruing interest. You've just not been paid the dividend yet. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, do not be deceived. You know, whenever he has to start the rest of the sentence by saying, guys, there's a deception here that's happening amongst the body of Christ. And by the way, he's talking to the church, Galatia, here. So he's talking to believers. And he says, hey, guys, guys, don't, don't be deceived here. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit, reap eternal life. Now, if hearing that bothers you, and by the way, uh, if you're making bad choices and you think, well, I've not regretted it, it should bother you. The good news of the gospel is this, is that God will pardon those who have made foolish choices if they will repent and turn to him. And if you're here and you're not in right standing with God, I, first of all, I just want you to know that you're going to have that opportunity to do so today. You'll have that opportunity to receive his grace, to receive his love, and to receive his forgiveness even before you leave this place. Can I tell you guys a story? You know, last week, um, Pastor Ben was here, and thank you guys so much for giving. Uh, it was so wild. God is just so good. Um, I really didn't plan on sharing this, but, you know, uh, we had uh, sold a vehicle, and we had, had the money uh, in, in our vault set aside, and I didn't know how much money was going to be raised. I had reached out to um, Nick, our elder, uh, love you, Nick, and, and I had said, hey, Nick, um, it, it, Pastor Ben really needs this money because he's going to Haiti, and I can't just necessarily write him a check because you can't really get to the bank there, and I've got to get him back on a Greyhound at 7 in the morning, and I don't know how we're going to get that money to him. Like, I, I think a couple thousand of it was cash from you guys, but the other 4,000 was online and checks and stuff. 
And then the Lord brought to my attention uh, what I had in my vault, right? And I was like, oh, well, I really don't remember what it was. But we added up everything. And before I even knew what it was, as a matter of fact, this is a true story, is it not, Nick? I said, Nick, I don't know how much I have, but I know I've got, you know, a good amount in here. I think it should be getting close to enough to, um, you know, to cover it. And so I started counting it out, you know, and they were all $100 bills. And then I got to $6,000, and, and, and it was exactly $6,100. Is that not awesome? I just love it. That's not, that may not be cool to you, but, you know, and, and God had already showed me that I was going to give every bit of it away, too, by the way, no joke. And I was like, you're kidding me. As a matter of fact, how cool is this? When I added up, because it was actually 6000 I said, oh, I said, cool. I said, I actually got $100. The Lord says, no, he's going to need that for why he's here. So give that 100 to him also. But um, anyway, so Pastor Ben was here, and he had shared a story that I feel like just really hits home with what we're talking about right now. And I wanted to share it with you guys. It's so amazing. One of the wildest stories I've heard in a long time. But um, Pastor Ben was praying one night, and the Lord spoke to him. I think he spoke to him, he said, in a dream. And he told him, do not go to church on Sunday. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot to you. Some of you guys are like, oh, great, no, not a problem, Lord. But, uh, well, when you're the senior pastor of the church, that's a problem. And so he calls up his associate pastor and says, uh, hey, by the way, uh, I'm not going to be there Sunday. I mean, can you imagine that, Pastor Daniel? Hey, you know, Friday night, oh, I'm sorry, the Lord said uh, not to show up, so um, I'm not going to be there Sunday, <laughs> right? Actually, PD, I know what you do. You do the exact same thing that his associate did. He goes, okay, Pastor, we got it taken care of, which is way cool. And so, um, you know, sometimes God tells you to do things that doesn't make sense. Let me say that again because somebody needs to hear that. I said, sometimes God will tell you to do things that doesn't make sense sense. It didn't make sense for him to not show up to the church that he pastors, right? So he called and said, I'm not going to be there. Well, it was a good thing that he didn't show up that Sunday because that Sunday, you guys know what's going on in Haiti. For those of you that don't know, it's been overrun by gangs. They killed their president two years ago, a coup. And the guy who's in office now is guys that are, the guy, he's the head of the gang. He ain't a prime minister. He's the head of the gang, Okay. And so seven gang members showed up at the church, and they were there with masks on asking to see the senior pastor by name. Well, they told him, well, he's not here. And Pastor Ben drives two hours to go to his church. Some of you guys complain because you got to drive over 30. He drives two hours there, two hours back. Wow. Uh, every week. And, um, but they told him, they said, well, it's impossible. He lives a long ways away, you know, it's, he's not going to be here. So they stayed all day expecting, well, he's probably going to show up at some point and some time later on. Well, they found out a little bit later on their intentions for why they were there. They finally left that evening. And then fast forward to two months later, Pastor Ben finally was going back to his church because the Lord says, okay, you can go back now. Two months went by. And he's riding on what they call a tap-tap. Anyone know what a tap-tap is? That's like a, a, a Haitian Uber, okay? Only they fit about 25 people in, in, in a little small truck, no joke. And they're hanging off of it every which way you can possibly think of. And so he's on a tap-tap. He's on his way back to the church. And he's sitting there with his cap on, just kind of being quiet. And then all of a sudden, two men across from him in the tap-tap 
start talking about the events of that day. And he quickly realizes that two of those men were two of the gangsters that were there to see him that day. And so he's listening in, and then all of a sudden, they mention him by name. Pastor Ben said that he, he pulled his hat down a little bit further, hoping that no one would hop in and be like, oh, Pastor Ben. He's like, no, please don't. But he's sitting there listening to them, and they give full, I mean, like, they give, they get, he gets the, the Paul Harvey commentary here, the rest of the story as to what happened that day, right? Some of y'all know who Paul Harvey is. You young people looking at me like, old people are like, you know, we with you, Pastor. Thank you. All right. Um, but. He's given the commentary of what happened, those two guys, of what happened that day. And they said that uh, they, hmm, hallelujah. Thank you. They did. They did. They, they came to kill him that day. And whenever they got there, uh, they were intended to kill him, but they did. But what happened that night was they, oh, hallelujah. Oh, man, I feel the presence of the Lord, you guys. Last time I did that, I know I had a tumor, but I feel the presence of the Lord hitting me today. Hallelujah. Can I pray for a second? Oh, it's not a mental thing. Don't worry for those of you who are like, what's going on with pastor? I just feel the presence of the Lord really strong. Lord, we love you. Oh, Lord, we invite you, Lord, into this place. Oh, come, Lord. Lord, do what you want to do. Move on our hearts, Lord. Move in this place, Lord. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This story wasn't just to be told as just a story, but it's to give some instruction for some of you, to hear the Lord. Because as you're going to find out from the rest of this story, those seven guys showed up to kill him that evening. Now, one of the church members said to them, if you try to kill the pastor, you will be killed. That's some boldness right there, right? And then later that evening, they're telling the story these two guys in this tap tap, they said that five of those guys, they got in a fight with one another, and they killed each other. Five of them died that night. And here they are sitting in this tap tap telling the story of what took place. Hey, the Bible says that God will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Now watch this. Like, no joke, I feel the presence of the Lord all over me. And I think it's because there are some of you, you need to dial in to hear God. You need to quit leaning on your own understanding. You need to, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Some of you right now, there's a breakthrough. I hear the Lord say there's a breakthrough that's coming your way. And what you need to do is you need to sit alone, get a word from him, quit going out to all of your friends and, and asking, what do you think about this? Polling everyone. And you need to hear from heaven because the Lord has clear divine instruction for some of you. This is a word from God for some of you who God wants to speak to you. And you're not going to be able to get what you need from a book. 
You're not going to be able to Google it. You're not going to be able to take a poll. You need to hear it from heaven. Pastor Ben could not have gotten that any other way except he has a deep, intimate relationship with God. Some of you, you're about to make a choice that if you don't obey the voice of God, I'm sorry, I have to be obedient as a minister. If you don't obey the voice of God, there's one word that I hear that comes with it, and I am not a prophet of doom, you all. This is, this is God, by the Spirit of God, wrecking me to tell you so that you don't make a mistake. Here's the word that I hear that comes with it. If you don't lean in and you lean on your own understanding, here's the word, destruction. Man, whoa, that's heavy. It, it's probably meant to be heavy for someone right now. Now, some of you are like, yeah, you just need to be praying that whoever that's for, they grab a hold of it. Now, I don't know who it's for. I'm looking around like, Lord, who is it? I don't know. But I know this, you need, to di- you need to dive in and to hear God. It's that important, guys. It's that important. What do you think is going to happen if we just start living life based on what we know? Look, you, you may be smart, but you're not that smart. Right? You may be cool, but you ain't that cool. Like, we need God. And you know why? Because we have an enemy who is out to steal, kill, and destroy. I know we don't like to talk about the devil in the church, but you do know that we have an adversary, and his name is the devil, and he's trying to come and destroy everything that God has in store for our lives. And the way that we're going to be able to walk in freedom, and the way that we're going to be able to avoid those arrows that he's shooting our way is when we have our gaze fixed. And when we hear our instructions for our commanding officer and we say, yes, Lord, it doesn't make sense. No one else is going to understand it, but it doesn't matter. God, I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do. And can I just tell you that God has a consistent pattern of doing that very thing. Because why in the world would God go and tell someone to build a boat in the middle of the desert when it hasn't rained in 40 years, Noah? Imagine how many people looked at him like, what you doing, Noah? Building the boat. What's that? They didn't know what a boat was. It didn't need a boat. It hadn't rained in 40 years. So just in the same way, there's some of you, God saying, here's what I'm asking you to do. I don't know what that is for you, but I know this. I ain't been wrecked like that in a while. That's heavy. You need to hear the Lord. I wouldn't I would go to bed tonight before I got down and said, Lord, I don't think that word was for me. I think it might have been for someone. But you know what? It might be for me. And so I would be still and know that he's God and say, Lord, and if nothing else, look, God has a plan and purpose for each and every one of our lives. If anything else, maybe it's just an affirmation from the Lord of what you're already doing and saying, God, is this what you want for me? Am I doing what you've called me to do? And he may say, friend, you know I've not called you to do that. Or he may say, you're doing well. Keep running. Amen? All right. Woo. Okay. Uh, Heavy. Um, (laughs) Listen to this. God tells things to his friends. Did you know that? God tells things to his friends. In John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus said, I no longer call you serpent because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And so this is right at the 
heart of what Paul prayed whenever he prayed for the Colossian church. But then he goes on to say in verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul lets them know that the reason that he prayed for them to be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding was so that they would live a life that is pleasing to God. And friends, hear me on this. There is no greater aspiration than the pursuit of pleasing God. And how do we do that? Well, Paul tells us, by walking worthy of God's call. Now, I don't know about you, but that phrase right there alone carries a weight, doesn't it? It's like a challenge and an invitation all rolled up into one. It's like God saying, hey, I've called you for a purpose. Now it's time to live up to it. But I want to make sure that you grab a hold of this because walking worthy of the call of God, it's not about striving to be perfect. It's not about putting on a facade or pretending like we've got it all together. No, it's about embracing the identity in Christ, our identity in Christ, and then living it out in every aspect of our lives. You see, God's call isn't some abstract concept reserved for super spiritual people. It's for us. It's for you. It's, it's, it's for me. And, and that call, watch this, it isn't just a job description, but it's a way of life. It's about embodying the love, the grace, and the truth of Christ in everything that we do. But here's the thing. Walking worthy of God's call doesn't mean that we're on our own. No, it's the exact opposite. It's about partnering with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to guide us and empower us. It's about saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your grace. Now, let's be honest. Walking worthy of God's call can be challenging because there are times where we fail, times where doubts creep in, and moments when the weight of the world just feels overwhelming. But here's the beautiful part. God's grace meets us right where we are. You see, it's not about perfection. It's about perseverance. It's about getting back up when we fall, relying on God's strength whenever ours falls or runs out. And it's about keeping our eyes on the ultimate prize. It's us saying, God, I may not have it all together, but I'm willing. Mold me. Shape me according to your will. And here's the thing. When we walk worthy of God's call, we become a living testimony. Our lives become a reflection of his love and his transforming power. And see, this is where people will come and they will look at us and they will say, there's just Something about them. Something real. And I'll tell you this to remind you, walking worthy of God's call, it's not a burden. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity to partner with the creator of the universe to carry out his purposes. It's about allowing him to work in us and through us, even in our weaknesses. 
Now let's keep reading in Colossians 1 verse 11. Paul continues his message of urgency by telling the church to walk worthy of God's call. And then he says that we are to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. So here's the deal. Paul urges the believers to walk worthy of God's call. But then he lets them know that there is strength to carry out the mission. And this strength, it's not just a temporary boost. It's not just a quick fix that that fades away. No, it's an enduring strength, a supernatural strength, one that's rooted in the very nature of God himself. You see, whenever Paul says to be strengthened with all power, the word power, it's referencing the very nature of God. It's the Greek word dunamis, which many of you are familiar with whenever you are in our all-in series because in the very beginning, we talked about what Jesus said when he says that you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so this power that both Paul and Jesus are talking about here, it's born of the Spirit. In fact, it can only come by way of the Spirit. Education can't attain it. Hard work can't earn it. It is, in fact, a gift. But it's not a gift like your aunt gives you at Christmas that you don't want and you don't know what to do with, right? No, it's a gift that transforms you, but it also transforms those around you. You see, when we tap into this power, church, incredible things happen. Like our attitudes shift. Our outlook changes. We start to approach challenges and difficulties with a different perspective. We begin to walk in a confidence that goes beyond our own abilities. We become the living testimonies of God's transformative power in our lives. But here's the key. We all have a role to play in all of this. We need to be actively embracing this power. We need to open our hearts and our minds to God's work that's within us because it's not just this passive experience. It's a partnership, a dynamic relationship where God's power meets our willingness to surrender and to be transformed. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now this last verse right here, this fires me up. Because when we start talking about what it means to share in the inheritance of the saints, oh man. (laughs) Now I want you to just consider what Paul is saying here. He says, we give thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Friends, that right there is a beautiful reflection of grace. Not only that, but it serves as a reminder that God is the one who is doing the qualifying. You know what that means? That means that you don't have to look to earthly approval any longer. Hey, there are no job evaluations in the kingdom of God. I mean, just imagine if uh, 
your hard work could actually earn you a place in God's kingdom. Well, that means then your hard work would have been your ticket in, right? But here's the truth. It's grace that gets us through the door, and it's grace that keeps us in the room. Paul wrote another letter to the Galatian church, and he addresses this very thing. He said, are you so foolish? Again, catch this, because this is speaking to the body of Christ. This isn't speaking to the world. He said, hey, church, are you so foolish that having begun by the Spirit, are you now trying to reach the goal by the flesh? It's like he's saying, hey, you started in grace. Don't switch tracks now. Church, I want you to understand something about grace. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that sustains you. I mean, it's like a river of unending love and an acceptance that flows forth from the heart of God. And that's why Paul starts verse 12 by urging us towards thanksgiving. It's an acknowledgement that every good thing that we have, every blessing, every ounce of qualification comes from God. It's a posture of humility and gratitude. But now here's where it gets exciting, sharing in the inheritance of the saints. This, my friends, this is where most of us, let me say it this way, most believers, they miss out on the grandeur of their faith because we are heirs. Matter of fact, co-heirs is what it says, co-heirs with Christ. It's like we have been given access to the vault of heaven. Yet so many of us are walking around with our heads down, oblivious to the treasures that are at our disposal. You say, well, pastor, what treasures are you talking about? Well, the only way that we're going to know what those treasures are is by knowing his word. Because his word is like a treasure map that leads us to the abundant benefits of being an heir in God's kingdom. Remember, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to seek it out. One verse that comes to mind is Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2, where it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Now, here's the thing. Those benefits, they are not theoretical or far-off promises. They're real tangible blessings that we can experience every day in our lives. It's like having an inheritance that pays the dividends and the currency of joy, peace, and purpose. And here's what I mean. Who would say I could use some guidance in my life right now? Well, watch this. As heirs of God, we have been given access to the wisdom and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Just like that example that I gave you with Pastor Ben. You don't have to figure it out, friend. Lean into the relationship with him. He will lead us in making choices, navigating challenges, and discerning what his will is for our lives. His guidance serves like a compass that points us towards paths of righteousness and purpose. Or how about this one? Who would say, man, I could use 
a little bit of peace in my life right now, huh? Come on. Well, God's promise gives us a peace, the Bible says, that surpasses understanding. One that transcends our circumstance. It's the kind of peace that, that guards our hearts and our minds, even in the midst of trials. This is the kind of peace that only God can give. Here's one I'm sure that all of us can relate to. Who would say, man, I could use provision in my life? And by provision in my life, you'd say, there's some things right now that I have need of that I don't have. Anyone? Okay. Well, our Heavenly Father knows our needs. And as heirs, we can trust that he will supply everything that we have need of. And by the way, I'm not just talking about material needs. Yes, I do believe that God will see to it that our material needs are taken care of, but also our spiritual needs, our emotional needs, and our physical needs. Here's an often overlooked benefit that we have, and that's the community of believers. In the kingdom of God, we inherit a family of faith, a fellowship of brothers and sisters who encourage who support, and who walk alongside one another in this journey. And by the way, guys, don't be a loner. Don't be a lone ranger. You've heard me say it before. Even the lone ranger had Tonto. Come on. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Even Maverick had Goose. Hi, does that help a little bit? <laughs> don't be trying to do life on your own. We are better together. We're better together. And together we bear one another's burdens. We celebrate one another's victories. We also provide a glimpse of the unity that awaits us in eternity. And then there's this huge benefit that we have as saints of God. The power of prayer. As heirs, we have direct access to the throne of God. We can come before him with boldness and confidence, knowing that he hears our prayers and responds according to his perfect will. The privilege of communion with our Heavenly Father is a treasure that is beyond measure. And these five things that I just mentioned to you, can I just say that they are just but a few of the thousands of promises that are in his word. But watch this, church. We've got to be in his word. I don't have the statistics with me right now, so I'm not going to try to make them up. But I will tell you that I've read them, and the, um, the percentage of Christians that read their Bible weekly, it's, it's down like in the teen levels. It's really, really low. Oh, yeah, Christians. And that's the problem. Absolutely. That, and it is a problem. Friends, let's change that trend. Do you know what? I'm, the one thing that I'm thankful about, I did hear this statistic I don't know if um, you guys had heard this, but it was beautiful. That says that our young generation right now, the Alpha and the Z generation, they just got a mind-blowing statistic. All of a sudden now, like 60-some percent are showing interest in the things of God, and they're starting to read the Bible. Praise God. Just to where my generation with the Xers and, and the millennials, and you know, because the Xers, I always was proud of them. Now, man, like they... You know, I don't know what's happened with them. Get it together, Xers. Come on, that's our generation. What's going on? We got some stuff that we need to be passing down to the Z and the Alpha. Come on. And the millennials, right? But 
Good things are happening, but we've got to make sure that we are spending time in his word. I mean, I think if there was a theme for today, man, it is just the spirit, following the spirit and diving into his word. Now, here's the thing, is that we have a beautiful inheritance. We have a lot, thousands of promises that God has for us. And here's the thing, we're not striving to earn a place at the table. We're already invited, welcomed and seated. All you have to do is partake of this divine feast of grace. And so here's what I say to you. Take it. It's yours. Take it. It's yours. I want you to stand with me if you would. I'm going to close with this scripture. It's Romans 8, verse 32. It says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? The same God who gave his son for us holds nothing back for his children. Now today we've kind of journeyed a little bit through first chapter of Colossians um, kind of exploring the wisdom, the calling, the strength, and the inheritance that's ours in Christ. We've talked about silencing the noise of the world and peeling back the layers of distraction, uncovering the truths of God's word. And now, this invitation is extended to you. If you're here today and you have never experienced the depths of God's grace, his love, which qualifies you, his strength, which sustains you, and his inheritance, which is waiting for you. Now is the time to respond. The Holy Spirit is here, man, in a powerful way. Respond. Don't let this moment pass by. If you're here and you're ready to take that step of faith, and surrender your life to Christ. I want to invite you to pray with me. It's, it's a simple prayer, but it's a heartfelt declaration which changes everything. Really what it is, it's the passing of the old so that the new can come. It's the promise of heaven, yes, but it's also the promise of his kingdom here on earth. And so if that's you, and you have not set Jesus as the Lord of your life. Friends, hear me on this. Because I feel like every week when I say this, that there's people that's hearing it and they're not really hearing it. I'm not talking about an understanding of who Jesus was in your cerebral cortex. I'm talking about having a relationship with God. I'm talking about a life that is surrendered to him. One in which he is at the center. Not one to where you kind of slide him in. But you say, Christ, be the center of my life. Be the place where I fix my eyes. Be my Lord. And if you want Jesus to be your Lord, if you've not made that decision, friend, the Bible says choose you this day who you're going to serve. Because you're serving something. You're serving a job. You might be serving money. You might be serving the opinions of others. Or you just may be serving yourself. But you're serving something. Choose you this day who you'll serve. As for me and my house, 
we're going to serve the Lord. Because I have found that this world, everything that it has to offer, it doesn't satisfy. It simply doesn't satisfy. It's a counterfeit for the real thing. And if you want the real thing, and Jesus is the real thing, I want to invite you to pray with me right now. Those of you that are here in person, but also those of you that are watching online, I want to invite you in this prayer right now that says to Jesus, Jesus, I give you my all. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I recognize my need for you. I know that I was born as a sinner, and I'm in, in need of a Savior. So, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. That's the prayer. That's the invitation that I'm sending out right now. And so if that's you and you say, I want to be a Christian, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, pray this prayer out loud from the bottom of your heart with me. Saints of God, join in together. Pray, Lord Jesus. I confess my need for a Savior. So I ask you, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from them. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave. Just as your word says, And now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we thank God for our salvation? Hallelujah. Praise God. Hey, listen, two quick things and you're dismissed. First of all, if you prayed that prayer today and you're in this place, I want you to do me a favor. Whenever you're exiting the auditorium, you're going to see a banner out there that says, I have decided many, many times, and there's someone standing there who just wants to take about 60 seconds of your time, just one minute, where they want to put some next steps information because there's some things that you need to know if you prayed that prayer. Now, if you're watching this online or even for those that are here, I've put four videos together that's on our website. It's destinychurchjacksonville.com forward slash Jesus. They're all about five minutes apiece. And they're important next steps as to what you need to do now that you have said yes to Jesus and surrendered to him. Also, let me just encourage those of you that are here, if you need prayer, we have a wonderful prayer team that's going to be up here. They're going to be available uh, to pray with you. And so please take advantage of the beautiful partnership that we have with other believers in believing God. Uh, for whatever it is that you are having need of right now. Don't don't miss that opportunity, church. Amen? Aren't you thankful for the body of Christ? I know I'm thankful for the body of Christ. I know that I've got people that pray for me every day, and man, I need it. Come on. And so if you need prayer, please don't leave. We would love to pray with you. Amen? Hey, listen, I'm going to leave you with a familiar benediction. It's a scripture that I know that all of you are aware of. It's Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to his power which is at work within us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever amen church I love you God loves you go live unhindered in Jesus name God bless you